everybody, and welcome to the 12th episode of We Effed Up. I'm Teresa. And I'm Cody. And today we're here to tell you about a time in history when uh, we effed up. And what are we talking about this time, Cody? Uh, we're going to introduce someone who uh, probably a lot of the listeners have heard of, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. Uh, a man uh, commonly called Genghis Khan, although it has several different pronunciations, uh, Chinggis Khan, there's Chinggis Han. I prefer uh, probably it, probably just refer to this episode just how he's normally known as Genghis Khan. <laughs> Were you really waiting all day to do that? I was. I was thinking about that in the car today. You planned to do that? Yeah. All right. Sorry about that, listeners. Yeah. The uh, I'm not sorry. The Mongolian pronunciation is Chinggis Han, but as Americans who have Learned through, learned about him via British history, and the only way they pronounce it is Genghis Khan. We'll probably just stick to Genghis Khan. Yeah, because I know episode. even if I try to pronounce it ostensibly the correct way, I know I'm going to slip back and forth. So yeah. it's probably just going to be easier just to say Genghis Khan. I did read that um, through the territories that he actually uh, conquered or was known through. That they themselves have many, many different ways of pronun- pronouncing pronouncing his name. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Genghis Khan. We're going to talk about Genghis Khan today. Yeah, and one of his more famous conquests. Uh, but he is not the effer upper of today's episode. Dang, okay. So, he is the consequence of effing up. Okay, so yes. this is like a prequel to... Uh, th- this is one of his uh, more well-known conquests, I guess you could say. Okay. So, for a little bit of background, uh, the uh, country or empire we're talking about today is called the Khwarezmian Empire. Even I have trouble saying it. It's K-H-W-A-R-A-Z-M-I-A-N. Khwarezmian. Dang. I am probably going to say that. I'm probably going to butcher that like five different ways. Uh Uh-oh. So, the Khwarezmian Empire, uh, founded in the late 11th century. Okay. And it's consisted of like modern-day Iran... Afghanistan, uh, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, like in Central Asia. And I have a picture here of where it is. So that blue area there, that's the Khwarezmian Empire. It's like, uh, then like the modern day borders are in there. Oh, I see. So. Iran and Okay, so it's like northeast of Saudi Arabia. The Arabian yeah. Peninsula. Like Iran, Afghanistan, like a lot of Central Asia. So, um, and several of its major cities like uh, Urgench or Bukhara, or Samarkand, um, were major cities on the Silk Road. Okay. From China to uh, Europe. Okay. So, like, they, they became very prosperous through this uh, trade uh, that went back and forth. Okay. And in 1200, uh, the new Shah, who, which is a title we've come across before. Mm-hmm. Um, Ancient title. Yes. Uh, named Muhammad II comes to the throne in 1200. Okay. So, uh, and he's ruling at the time that we... Uh, that we're talking about today. Over the entire area? Yeah, the over the Khwarezmian Empire, yeah. Okay. So, moving east a little bit, uh, we have to set the scene for the Mongols, uh-huh. of course. Mongols, probably m- a lot of people have heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you've seen the John Wayne film, The Conqueror. You know who the Mongols are. Why did you even bring that up? 
Because I had to. Sorry about cultural appropriation, everybody. Yeah, that movie is god-awful. John Wayne is Genghis Khan. That's all I need to say. Yeah. Um, Why would you cast a white American person? It's like casting Elvis as a Native American. Because it was the 50s. Um, so, about 1218, which is where we're talking about, that is the size of the Mongol Empire. It takes up, like, a pretty sizable chunk of Asia. So what would that be today? What would that cross through So today? this is like Kazakhstan, uh, much of uh, Tibet, uh, like northern Pakistan and India, Mongolia, obviously, like northern China, like the whole like north half of China. Yeah, like from Central Asia all the way over to the Pacific Ocean. Like wow. Pretty sizable. And this is not even as large as it would get. Wow. Okay. Like, like the Mongol Empire at its height, um, actually after Genghis, uh, was the largest contiguous land empire in history. Holy moly. Yeah, so, it, like, at one point it went from, um, like, Hungary and Europe all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is that sea right here? That is the Caspian, or the, yeah, that's the Caspian Sea. So, it's, like, almost all the way to the Caspian Sea. Yeah. What's that one? Uh, the Aral Sea. The Aral Sea. It's, like... To the Aral Sea, basically. Yeah. All the way to the Pacific Ocean already. Yeah. An insane amount of influence. Yes. Um, the Mongolian Plateau itself, uh, it was a very tribal culture that lived there, and they were purposely kept divided by the Chinese to the south, so they wouldn't, you know, unite and conquer China, as they eventually would. Whoops. Uh, Genghis Khan, he was born Timujin around the year 1160, um, and... Uh, a lot of internal conflicts, but by 1206, he unites all the Mongol tribes under himself. Wow. So now the Mongols are like a united uh, people. How old was he? Uh, he's about in the mid-40s by this point. Jeez. So, yeah. So, uh, so this tribal people, he's basically, like, was there a cause that they were, like, he united them under? I know the last, like, one of the last episodes we did when we talked about Gandhi, um trying to unite parts of India, was there, like, a central cause that they were all kind of on the same mm, side of? No, just, uh, Genghis just felt like, you know, um, we can handle the external threats of, like, the Chinese, for example, better if there's one Mongolian Khan. Okay, so uh, does Khan ruler. mean, like, ruler? Yeah, I think Genghis Khan, like, the actual name, I think, if I remember correctly, means supreme... I don't want to say supreme leader, but uh, that's, glorious that's, leader or something like that. That's Star Wars. Yeah, supreme leaders. Uh, but but it translates to basically supreme or great emperor or something like that. So oh, okay, yeah. Um, so basically, like a a united Mongolia is stronger yes. than a divided Mongolia. Yes. Okay. Um, he but instituted he many military, social, and administrative reforms, uh, leading to a more robust and powerful state. Interesting. Um, because he was the military leader as well as the oh yeah yeah he, he is the general. absolute ruler now wow okay so that's a lot of that's a lot of pans in the fire yeah but it works um, certainly uh, he begins invasions into Central Asia and China soon after unifying Mongolia uh, cities that submitted were usually spared okay um, however those that resisted were often wiped out wow like literally join us or die type of thing wow. Um, yeah. So, so the, the, like, the goal was to have them become part of Mongolia then? 
Like, as they went through and, like, conquered a city or a town, they they were just like, all right, now this is Mongolia, too. Yeah. So they're expanding the borders. Yes. Okay. Um, And steady westward expansion led to contact with Middle Eastern powers like the Khwarezmian Empire. Okay. So they're starting to expand. Um, They've started to invade China at this point uh, because they just... They want to, because China is like kept them divided for all this time. They just want to conquer China. Yeah. Uh, but everyone else that's around that they're now starting to come into contact with, they don't necessarily want to fight them. Okay. Because again, they're focusing on China. Sure. So. So I, I mean, the the places that kind of like just rolled over and were like, yeah, we're part of you now. Yeah. They yeah. were just Mongolians then. Uh, I mean, ethnically, maybe culturally, sure, probably sure. not, but like. They had Mongolian overlords. I see. So they were able to just continue on as they were, just paying lip service now and taxes to the Khan. Okay, I see. So, and that's an image of Genghis Khan. We don't really have a contemporary image of him. That was done later, um, after they'd conquered China. Uh, Kublai Khan, his grandson, uh-huh. who would rule China, uh, commissioned like some images and stuff. So, uh, A lot of those, that era of Chinese art, yeah. It has a tendency to look very similar. Yes. Because I have certainly seen imagery that looked very similar to that in, like, art museums and yeah. stuff, so. Um, because I've seen a lot of imagery that makes him look more Mongolian than Chinese. Yeah, um, probably later images to try to be a little bit more fact- uh, factual. Sure. Uh, certainly Kublai Khan was trying to mesh the two together. He wanted to, like, unite Mongolia and China together? Yeah, uh, Culturally as well, so maybe I like see. you know, showing Mongolians with Chinese characteristics, so to speak. I see. Um, okay. So, after the conquest of the Karakatai state in Central Asia in 1218, the Mongol and Khwarezmian empires now share a border. Oh, so, they, so they all border each other. Well, it's fine for right now. Okay. Uh, like as I said, Genghis has no designs on Khwarezmia that we know of at this point. Um, so. He's, so he's content to just share the border. Yeah, he, he's, like cool he's focused that. on China. Okay. He wants trying to conquer China, because conquering China takes it's a lot difficult, of resources. It's difficult, right? Yes. They're a very powerful country, empire yes. at this point. Yes. Okay. And have been for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so to facilitate trade between their two empires, Genghis Khan sends a trade convoy of 500 men to uh, Khwarezmian Empire. Wow, okay. So he's like, hey, I, I, want, I want to open up commerce with you. Uh, especially because, again, they're on a Silk Road. So, and the Mongols are in the process of conquering China. So, having good trade relations with this country would, would benefit them both. So, for our listeners and also for me, what is the importance of the Silk Road at this point? So, it, it really facilitated trade between uh, East Asia and Europe. Um, all the way to Europe. All the way to Europe. Uh, okay. Normally through Constantinople, mm-hmm. which is how the Eastern Roman Empire became so wealthy. Okay. Because a lot of the trade would go through there. Um, this is also how you get, like, you know, Venice starts to become a major trading power at this point in the Mediterranean. Um, so, and they come into, like, you know, Greece and the Black Sea and stuff and try to... Um, Established ports to where, like, you know, these trade goods have outlets to, and then they basically just go east, into, like, through the Silk Road into Asia, mm-hmm. into markets in China. Okay. So, so it's like, it's a lot of back and forth. Okay. So like, it's like, like a central highway, like a, a bloodline between... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So extremely important. And yes. whomever, whatever country the Silk Road goes through that has a lot of influence and power over the goods that are being yeah. transported through it. Yes. Okay. Like in, you know, taxes or import duties or what have you. Yeah. Um, so at the time, Muhammad II was in a dispute with uh, the Abbasid Caliph and viewed the Mongols with suspicion, um, or the Caliph, the opposite Caliph, uh, you may be familiar with the term caliphate, especially uh, yeah. from recent times. Yeah. So in Islam, there were four official caliphates. Mm-hmm. The caliph was like the head honcho of Islam, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. Um, you have the first four after Muhammad called the Rashidun caliphs. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Umayyad caliphs, and they're from different families. Uh, finally, you have the Abbasid caliphs. I keep saying caliphs and caliphs. Another thing where it's like, I've heard different pronunciations and I keep I going back caliph and forth. because yeah. of caliphate. Yeah. Um, I should have looked that up beforehand, but I apologize. Um, at this time, the Abbasid caliph was like, he was starting to like, uh, or, or was greatly reduced in influence and power. Like a like formerly like united Islam that was kind of formed in the centuries after Muhammad, it's beginning to like break apart, right? Into different little countries and such, and factions. Yeah, so it, it greatly reduced at this point. Um, at this time, they control mostly like the area that is like Iraq, Syria, Iraq, Syria, Jordan, like that area. Uh, anyway, so. Since Muhammad was in the dispute with the Abbasid Caliph, uh, he's kind of viewing the Mongols with suspicion. So he's okay. like, these people are just showing up here. Could this possibly be a ploy deception by the Caliph to kind of, you know... Suspicious? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, well, uh, absolute monarchs tend to be suspicious because if there's any sort of threat to their power, they're like, no. Yeah, they freak yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad had received reports of atrocities committed by Mongols in China and kind of foresaw a trap. Uh-oh. He's like, well, this could just be the first uh, first uh, uh, attempted deception before an invasion, you know. Oh, I see. You know, so he heard, like, you know, reports of cities being raised to the ground in China because they didn't surrender, so. So he's, he is under the impression that Genghis Khan is just out for blood and yeah. not, like, that that was a... Isol- yeah. isolated incident at least well he's, at he's an evil barbarian from the east of course he's out for only blood oh boy okay and of course yeah, a little bit of racism in there because there's always a little bit of racism in there yeah. in these stories um well also i think like at this point tribal people are still considered to be like less than yeah or people who are barbarians or you know they're they, uneducated. They can't yeah. read. They don't know what they're doing. And they still follow their own, like, tribal religions and stuff sure. and not... Yeah, so... The officially state-sanctioned religion. Yes. Yes. I understand. Okay. Uh, upon arrival in the city of Otrar, uh, the governor of the city, Inelchuk... Uh, it sounds like the thing that the Apache chief would say on Super Friends when he would grow big. Inelchuk! <laughs> oh, boy. Upon So, upon arrival in the city... The governor, Enel Choker, orders the arrest of this convoy. So, oh, boy. This is like the beginning of 300, almost. Anyway. <laughs> I've seen stuff in history. 
it's 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 unlikely that this convoy had nefarious intentions because as i mentioned like genghis he's focused on the conquest of china and he doesn't really want to fight a war on two fronts i was gonna say that has to have you know expended a lot of resources just the one yes and as the as the nazis can tell you fighting a war on two fronts doesn't work out too well yeah well i guess this guy genghis khan could tell you beforehand but yeah um so this is where Muhammad II F's up. Uh-oh. He is the F rapper of this episode. <sighs> of course. He orders the execution of the entire convoy. Oh no. Thinking that they were spies. And again, there's no evidence of this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of people. Five hundred like, people. I would say that sending five hundred people in like at once to a place is probably not a trick. Also, like, were these people armed? Like, there probably would have been some armed, because otherwise, you know, somebody else could just roll up and take all their stuff. Well, so. and they had come at this point to, I'm assuming, a big city, like the capital of this area. Um, not the capital. Uh, the capital was Samarkand, uh-huh. but like, uh, but a major city. So, so they made it to a major city. And at this point, I would expect that they probably, in this major city, would have their own military forces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would have their own garrison. I would say the 500 folks are probably not going to take over no. an entire city. No. So he was a little heavy-handed. Yes. But he didn't leave anybody to go back as a messenger. Wow. No. That's, uh, okay. All right. Genghis Khan's like, let's be nice. I just want to. I just want to trade with you. But I want to make sure the Silk Road's cool. And this guy's like, uh-uh. Get, well, Genghis finds out, yeah. and so he's like, okay, maybe this was a Genghis Khan showing res- great restraint right here. He's like, may okay, maybe this guy, you know, it's got the wrong impression from us. So he sends three more ambassadors to him. Just three this three. time. First time, five hundred. Two, two were Mongols, and one was Muslim. Oh, okay. Were, this country's Muslim at this point. Right. So it's like, maybe if I send, you know, one of his, uh, someone, you know, who shares a religion with him, maybe they'll get him to understand, like, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want a war. So. Yeah, that may, I mean, that, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, just somebody to kind of smooth the waters. And Genghis, the only thing he demanded, he wanted Enochuk handed over for punishment. Because Enochuk was the one, like, in the city ordered who actually carried out the orders of the Shah. Okay. So he's like, hey, give this guy to me, and we'll be fine. We'll, we're good. Okay. Muhammad II refuses. Of course. Killing the Muslim envoy, and sending the two Mongol envoys back to him after shaving them. After, like, shaving their heads, which is a big no-no. No. Oh my gosh. Think uh, the Dothraki in Game of Thrones. Yeah, like this is giving me that, very. This I mean, is giving me a lot of like movie fantasy TV show. Well, I mean, and the movie. Dothraki are based on the Mongols. Yeah, especially with the horses. Um, that like this is giving me a, like fantasy Game of Thrones vibes all the way across. Yeah. Like, okay, this gigantic ruler is is he's trying to treat with me. He's trying yeah. to you know extend all an olive branch, and the guy's like. No. Yep. I refuse that. <laughs> Genghis responds with just one message to Muhammad. Uh-oh. You have chosen war. <laughs> A.K.A. we F- or you effed up. He yes. just sent him a message that said, you effed up. <laughs> yeah. Three words. <laughs> he just pissed off Genghis Khan. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. The Mongol invasion begins in 1219. Wow. So very <laughs> shortly after. Yeah. So did this work out? I mean, I guess we're going to find out, yeah, but it seems like... Because Genghis Khan didn't want to divide his forces between two fronts. Yeah. Well, he basically just puts the war in China on pause. <laughs> wow. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go take care of this guy myself. Oh, he, boy. He takes him, like himself, his best generals, and all f- his four sons with him. To Khorasmia to lead this invasion. Jeez. So so now the the um the the goal is not just to kill Muhammad the second, but also he wants to take over his entire area. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's like, well, you could have just left my. Uh, you killed my five hundred. Okay. Shame on me. You fool me once. Hmm. Fool me twice. Kill kill my Muslim ambassador and shave my two Mongol ambassadors. You won't fool me again. You won't me fool. You will not fool me again. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. uh, prior to the invasion, Mongol forces relied largely on skilled, fast-acting cavalry. Okay. Yeah, like the Dothraki. Yeah. Um, however, the invasion of the Khwarezmian Empire incorporated techniques and technology that they had learned during the invasion of China. So, like siege warfare. Um, okay. Uh, projectile weapons. So they like saw the Chinese with these these things, these developments in warfare that they didn't have before, and then they assimilated yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, okay. they incorporated them through their own uh, military Not strategy. Assimilated, yeah, they incorporated yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. Um, early use of gunpowder. Interesting. Yeah. So um, like cannons. Uh, too, no. Too early for yeah, too early, too early for cannons, okay. or especially like any hand device. More like. It was a stick with gunpowder and. Basically, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were not, yeah, 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 but like just using that in some ways to like you know kind of enhance their uh, like their like projectile, like their catapults or whatever. Interesting, okay. Yeah, so. Um, Mongols they also utilize spies on the Silk Road to gather intelligence. Jeez, okay, so like spies that they would send along, like maybe not Mongols themselves, but you know, other peoples they'd conquered or other allied peoples, like hey, go, go, go along the Silk Road because they won't suspect you. Maybe see like you know how many how many troops are in the city. Try to figure that out. Wow. So so yeah yeah doing like this is some pretty advanced stuff. Yeah, especially for the you know, 13th century. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, estimates for the sizes of the opposing armies differed greatly. I found so many like like very wild, wildly different estimates. Uh huh. Because I mean. We don't have exact numbers for this. Yeah, counting is like yeah, it's hard at this point. But it's believed that the Khwarezmians had approximately two hundred fifty thousand men available. Wow. Whereas the Mongols had three hundred thousand. So two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand. Uh-huh. Wow. So, like, so kind of an e- like an even mashup. I don't know. Is le- 50 thousand le- more a lot? Leading yeah, leading more towards the, especially in this time period, okay. but leading more towards the Mongols. Okay. Uh, as I said, the Mongol force was led by Genghis himself, along with his four sons: Jochi, Chagatai, Ogadai, and Tului. Okay. Yeah, and they would all come into prominence much later in their own rights in various different ways. Wow. Um. Khwarezmian Empire was somewhat unstable as Muhammad II had only recently conquered some areas and put down some revolts. Okay. Um, so so was still some bad blood. Yeah. Uh, one of the sources I uh, cited uh, uh, stated, uh, the, quote, The dynasty was highly unpopular and a focus for popular hatred. In none of the provinces they ruled did the Khwarezm Shahs ever succeed in creating a bond of interest between themselves and their subjects, end quote. Oh, boy. So it's just like, it, it, like you don't have 
like the affection for your monarch, like like the British do for the for Elizabeth. Uh huh. You know, what I mean, like that. Okay. So so they they mostly are not down with Muhammad the second. Yeah. Very unpopular. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Mongols began their invasion by ravaging a lot of the fertile farmlands. Oh, so boy. go after the food supply. Yep, that's... that's really gonna hurt you in multiple ways. Like you know, your the opposing army can't be fed. Their cities are probably gonna start revolting because the people are gonna start starving. So you go after the food supply immediately. Yeah. The Mongols besieged the city of Otrar. Remember the original mm-hmm. place where the convoy was killed for five months. Wow. Um, before a Khwarezm trader opened the city gates. Jeez. He's like, like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I can't do this. Most of the city's population were killed, including Enochuk, who supposedly, uh, there's like a a tower in the city. He was like running up to the tower, like still fighting them off. He was like throwing stuff at them. (laughs) Yeah, like, but uh, he was captured and executed, of course. The entire city could have been saved if they had just given up this one dude. Yep. Uh, While the rest of the population that wasn't killed were enslaved. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, the Mongols took and devastated the cities of Bukhara and Samarkand, the Khwarezmian capital, as well as Urgench, where they massacred most of the population. Boy. Yeah. Muhammad II fled westward to an island in the Caspian Sea. Of course he did. Uh, yeah. And also, so he's probably thinking, well, I'm on an island. They can't get to me here. Yeah. <laughs> this is a common theme in so many of yeah. these stories. Like, the ruler's like, well, I messed up. I'm going to, I'm just going to leave now. That, that'll probably help. Yeah. They can't get to me here. Yeah. Uh, but but he, he dies on that island in 1220. So, pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not long after he fled there that he dies. We don't really know what he died from. Uh, we don't really even have a contemporary image of him. Mm. Or I, I couldn't find one, at least. So. Uh, most of Quarism was conquered by 1221. Wow. But so in insur- just two years. Yeah. A but huge in- area. An insurgency develops under Muhammad II's son, Jalal al-Din, mm-hmm. who would kind of go on to become a, a thorn on the Mongol side in his own right for the next decade. Wow. Um, they won a victory over the Mongols at the Battle of Parwan in 1221. So actually, defeating the Mongols. Wow. Defeating the Mongols, which is, yeah. But they were forced to flee to India after the Mongols won at the Battle of the Indus later in the year. Okay. Uh, and Jalal didn't continue his harassment of the Mongols until his death in 1231. Jeez. Yeah. So, Khwarezmian Empire, now conquered. Two years. Didn't um, take long at all. They were clearly unprepared for this. Mongol casualties were unknown, but Khwarezmian casualties are estimated in the millions. So, they had a quarter million troops... The Mongols had 300,000 troops estimated, and they killed millions of people. Yeah. Man, they, they just had everything going for them, though. They had all of these new tricks mm-hmm. up their sleeve that, I don't know, maybe Western, this Western Asian nations had never seen before or yeah. were just not counting on. And they're like, look, we're, we're going we're gonna to besiege your cities. We're going to kill all of your food. We don't care. And you guys are gonna, you're definitely gonna, you've effed up at this point, and they really did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now the Mongols control the Silk Road pretty much from China all the way through. Yeah, all, nearly. Almost to Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Genghis returned to Mongolia in 1224 and resumed his war with China. 
Oh my gosh. You, you saying like he put pause on it. No, he literally put pause. But like, put, he was just like, you guys hang out here. We'll be back to time, time out. We'll besiege your cities and kill all your people. But I got to go take care of something. So just yeah. put a pin in that. Um, I'll be back though. Yeah. He, like this guy over here, he really took me off. I, I, need, I need to go take care of this right now. And just, and then just a couple of years, he took care of it and was like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> time in. Yeah. Let's go. Um, a detachment of Mongol forces, like after the invasion of Khwarezmia, uh, under the command of his generals Jebe and Subatai, they were two of his better ones, they continued east into the Caucasus Mountains and north into the Kievan Rus, which is the predecessor state of Russia. Yeah. Um, before circling around the Caspian Sea to return to Mongolia. Okay. I actually have a thing here. Oh, the resolution, it's not that great. But that's, okay, so this is like where they begin, like in Mongolia. Uh, and this is them coming into Khwarezmian Empire. This is them, like, circling, like, fighting different conflicts in Khwarezmia. And Jebe and Subutai basically come up this way, over into this way, into the Crimea, into the Crimea, Kiev, which, relevant to, especially to today. Is that in Ukraine? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I was going to ask, is that the Kiev, like, Ukrainian yeah. Kiev? Wow. Yeah. Like, all the way through here, through the Caucasus, over here to Ukraine, north into Russia, and then back. Oh my god. Yeah. His generals just went wild. They're like, you know what? We're not done over here. Let's go. Let's go on the great American, not American, the the great uh, Great American movie ride. The great Asian slash European slash Russian uh, conquest. They got selfies. They got sunglasses. You're you're more correct than you think. Genghis died in twelve in August twelve twenty seven during the siege of Yinchuan in China. No, so he was killed during his own siege. Uh, well, he wasn't killed, but he just he was he was getting up there. But he's the late sixties by this point, and okay. he lived a hard life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, fighting constantly yeah. since he was a teenager. Well, in ruling, like, yeah. like not only was he participating so, in his conquest of China, he also went and did all of his Eastern Front stuff, yeah. and then also was ruling a country at the same time. Yeah, so, so you know, a lot of miles on that body. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, he was succeeded by his third son, Ogade. Okay. Which is, the Mongols, they, they did the succession differently. They had what's called a curl tie, and basically they picked which son was best, like they thought was best. To lead them, so like, a like, like 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 a lot of like the Mongolian like generals and nobles and stuff. Oh, okay. So it's like a vote, but only amongst like the people. Yeah, yeah, and it would later like be like amongst only his grandsons or what have you. Oh, okay. So he had to be descended from Genghis Khan to okay. be Khan. But his third son was considered the best son. Yeah, yeah. So like he, he's the one who ruled next. Um, the Mongol Empire continued its expansion. So like I said, like China, Mongolia, much of Central Europe. All the way into Europe, like Hungary, Poland, wow. Ukraine, um, down, like, down the middle, yeah, down the Middle East, like the Caucasus, present day Iraq. That's like, super far. Yeah. That's super far west. Yeah, massive empire. Wow. Um, but internal disputes among the descendants of Genghis uh, led to the fracturing of the empire in the 1260s. It break, kind of breaks up into four different pieces among his sons. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but yeah, pretty much. The, you have the Yuan Dynasty in China, that's like Kublai Khan. Mm-hmm. His uh, grandson. Yeah. You have uh, the Chagatai Khanate in Central Asia. You have the Ilkhanate in the Middle East. And you have the Golden Horde in Russia. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Golden Horde. Why was it called a Golden Horde? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Yeah. Because it, it's cool sounding. I don't know. What you, we're calling the other ones Conates. Uh, that's why I was yeah. like, they're just like the Golden Horde. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, being a part of that, it'd be like, yeah, this is a dope title. The destruction of the Khwarezmian Empire it opened up the Middle East to Mongol invasion. Um, also led to, it was a springboard for their invasions into the Caucasus and Eastern Europe. Yeah. Uh, so. Because it's a fertile area. That's a very fertile yeah. region at that time. Yes. And the, it did have one additional side effect. Uh, the incorporation of a large Muslim state into the empire led the conversion of many Mongols to Islam. Oh, okay. Which would create later friction in the empire. Especially okay. like once it starts to break up, especially the Ilkhanate, um, its rulers were Muslim, but they were still Mongol. Oh, so okay. you would kind of have you would have less identification with each other. So oh, like all these Mongols like successor states, they're identifying less and less with each other as time goes on because okay. some of them Christianize, some of them become more Chinese, uh, more Muslim. So then oh, they start fighting each other. That's a huge. That's far too big of an area to keep a homogenous. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. If even like tenets of just existing in life, but let alone religion or um, ethnicity, you oh, know, yeah. it's very, very difficult over such a large land mass to be able to yeah. do that. So it makes the, perfect sense that they would start to fight. Yeah. Like the British had that problem. The Romans had that problem. Of course. The United States has that problem. Yeah. You just can't, it, it's simply too big, yeah. too big to create, to to have people relate to one another, I mean that's like a, a it's a tale as old as time. You yep. can't you can't force people so many different people to come. Yeah, I know. Beauty Whenever I hear that phrase, I just think Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I, as soon as I, I said just hear it, I was Angela like, Lansbury saying singing that song. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's it's something that happens throughout history. People are like more land, more land, more land. I want to conquest bigger and bigger. I want mm-hmm. my empire to be as huge as possible, and mm-hmm. then it's like inevitably it creates infighting yeah there's a limited there's limited resources uh people start fighting because they're they're not uh receiving the same amount of they're not as equal as other people it's just i mean that's always going to happen you can't have an empire too big like that yeah it's not when you take over an area or conquered or whatever all the people in the area don't immediately just become you yeah exactly so, I mean, like, yeah, like, over time, they might, you know, adopt some of your customs, or, you know, or... Start speaking your language. Exactly. But that takes a long, long time to do. Yeah. It's not something that can be done at the flip of a switch. It's really interesting, though, that, that what's happening at this time is happening, like, what's happening... The Mongols invading this part of uh, Western Asia is happening at the same time as some of the friction inside of, like, the Muslim religion and, yeah. like, how those are, those bonds are kind of fraying apart. It's interesting because, to me, I never think that that's happening at the same time. I always associate the Mongols being much earlier. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one, but, yeah. It's, it's very strange because China was also um, an empire that was really well-established it was oh, yeah. very advanced. Like thousands of years at this point. Very technical. They were, they had a lot of prowess when it came to, like, military. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they're, they were known for that. That was a, like, a huge tenet of their, the, plus they had a very, um, 
strict, I think, social order there. Yes. So it was easier to make soldiers out of people because of the strict social order there. So to think that a band of tribes that all had different religions, different ethnicities in some places that stretched from Western Asia all the way to the Pacific Ocean were able to, like, band together and come at this huge, huge empire. And then we're just like, okay, hang on a second. And then they conquered this other huge empire. <laughs> yeah. And then they came back and did it again, started at it again. Yeah. Just like, geez. Yeah. Uh, you must Chi- have been a really charismatic leader. Yeah. I mean, and also, uh, I mean, success. He's successful. Yeah. Uh, he's successful at his goals and what the people are wanting him to do. Yeah. So, and China, like, he he, like, he didn't live to see the final conquest of China. That wouldn't happen until, like, the 1230s. So they were successful, though. In, in oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the who- entire. Country, yeah. oh yeah, like Jeez. Kublai Khan and the Yuan Dynasty, like like the the people that Marco Polo went to see. That's wow. them. That Jeez. that's Kublai Khan and the Yuan Dynasty. So that's weird to think that Marco Polo is happening at this time. I mean, a little later, but I mean, it, it, Kublai Khan is his grandson, so it can't be that much later. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's mind blowing. Yeah. So, some of the sources I use for this include Eric Hildinger's Warriors of the Steppe, a military history of Central Asia from 500 BC to AD 1700. Peter Jackson. No, not that Peter Jackson. <laughs> uh, the Mongols in the Islamic world from conquest to conversion from 2017. Paul Rachnevsky's Genghis Khan, his life and legacy from 1994. And Zvat Susek's A History of Inner Asia from 2008. Interesting. So. Cool. Well, um, is it true that a really large part of Asia and Europe has uh, Genghis Khan DNA? Because you mentioned four sons, but I've heard rumors that like 40% of modern the modern uh, population has. That, um... Is that apocryphal? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Was he prolific, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, he was all literally all over the continent. Yeah, so. yeah. He had his his wife Borte, who was like the oh, what I can't remember the name. There was a specific name for like the Khan's main wife. Uh huh. to say main wife. Yeah, not his side his yeah. side piece. Um, his main piece. But yeah, of course, several concubines. Yeah. So. So that was normal then to have like concubines in their culture. Really well, if, you, if you're the Khan, yes. <laughs> yeah. Or probably generals. Uh, to, to well, it's to paraphrase or modify a quote from uh, Mel Brooks, <laughs> History of War Part One. It's good to be the con. <laughs> okay, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, can you can you tell us what we're talking about next time? It's a smaller death toll. Oh, okay, good. But in a way, it's a lot more gruesome. Oh boy. But it. It's a horrible event that, in the end, led to positive change. Okay, so, I remember what we're talking about. Okay, yeah. So, all right. Yeah, well. I think I gave you a preview of it. Yeah. So. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, please don't forget to check out our sister projects, or mostly my sister projects, uh, the YouTube show, The Drunken Pond, which is produced by myself and hosted by our co-producer Steve on this podcast. Um, where we drink beer and play board games. It's a great time. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, which is a horror review podcast, uh, which is co-hosted by myself and my lovely pod wife, Juliet. 
Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show so we can stay on the charts. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WeFDUP. I'm Teresa. And I'm Cody. And this is WeFDUP. We